One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello. You're listening. To BFM. This is a podcast about IVF, infertility, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby, and we are both card carrying members of the Infertility Club. the world indeed all peoples all the peoples um this week we are talking to genevieve roberts we are who's like a kind of a celebrity she is she has been you know <laughs> so I, I was trying to organize the interview with her and um i was emailing her and i was at work and we always have sky on at work mm. And I looked up, and there she was, <laughs> so really, really <laughs> on Sky. Um, yeah, talking about solo motherhood. Yes, she's got a book, hasn't she? She has got a book called Going Solo, My Choice to Become a Single Mother Using a Donor. Yeah. And she's been, like, it's had extracts in some of the Sunday magazines, hasn't it? Yeah. That's where I read it anyway. I think she was in the Sunday Times one, one week. She was. A couple of months ago, probably. Yeah, she's done a good job. She has done a great job. Um, and we had a lovely chat, a really nice chat. And um, I think, so she's got two kids, mm-hmm. both by donors. Yeah. Um, one through IUI, one through IVF. Yes. That's yeah. right. And she was um, feeding her new son yeah. while we were talking. Which made both of us quite nervous. Yeah. It's like, oh no, this baby's going to start making we, loads of noise. Yeah, exactly. But it was... Completely silent. Not a peep. No. I was really impressed. What's his name? Xavier. Xavier. Oh, good yeah. little Xavier. Yeah, Astrid and Xavier. Oh, great names. Great names. Um, so, yeah, so <clears throat> that's a fun one. It was a fun one. She's really, really nice. Yeah. And obviously, we know lots of people that are doing this, going on their own, uh-huh. and just... Um, and it's amazing. And, I, I, you know, my hat, hat comes off to all of them. I think it's... Yeah, um, absolutely. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, and then talking to Professor Tim... Yes. About abnormal shaped uteruses. We are. Um, although, I don't... I mean, everybody has like a slightly... Oh, I don't think we've got cutty... Cu- cutty? Cookie cutter uteruses, no. have we? But um, these ones are like diagnostically yeah. abnormally shaped. So um, things like... And um, um, we've used this this kind of terminology on the podcast before, like a bicornuate uterus, a septuate uterus. Yeah, heart-shaped. Heart-shaped. Um, so, and, you know, do those things impact your chances of conception? Yes. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. Um, and that's kind of it for this week. Um, this is our third last podcast. It is, yeah. We've got 
yeah, two more to come after this. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so not final forever, just final for now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We've had quite a few people write in, actually, and kind of tell us how sad they are that we're, we're taking a break. Which and is nice. It is nice, and, you know... Just to reiterate, we're very sad too. Yeah. Um, but needs must, and we will endeavour to be back as soon as we can. Absolutely. No one's happy that we're taking a break. No. Not yet. No. No one's told us that anyway. No. I, yeah, maybe they've just kept that to themselves. Yeah. They're like, yes, finally, they're going <laughs> to yeah. shut up. <laughs> Please continue to keep that to yourself. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, you can email us. BigFatNegativePodcast at gmail.com You can follow us on Instagram at BigFatNegative You can follow us on Twitter at BigFatNegative You can follow us on Facebook BigFatNegative And you can like and subscribe and rate and review Oh, you could if you were feeling particularly generous If you were, that would be really yeah. nice Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And that's it So, And also just to say, we're not going to leave Instagram world Oh no, we're going we? to stay there Yeah We're so going to be doing that We might be quieter on the pod world and louder but, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but don't worry, no baby's going to get shoved in anyone's face. No. Just FYI. Yeah. Um, okay, have, like, enjoy listening to the podcast. Have a good week. Yeah. Genevieve, it's such a pleasure yes. to have you on. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, so we always start the podcast by asking people about their journey. Yeah. Um, so tell us about yours. So I was in my mid to late 30s, a kind person would say mid, maybe, th- I think I was around 37. And That's definitely I mid. wanted to find out my fertility levels. I'd had a miscarriage a couple of years prior to that mm-hmm. uh, with a previous boyfriend mm. who, who'd left very soon afterwards. Oh, um, so it had been a bit of a, a like a whirlwind and, and had thrown me completely. Um, and a couple of years had passed and I'd come to terms with um, that relationship breaking down it was all I mean it wasn't we weren't trying to have children we weren't at that stage Um, but I had happened to become pregnant so yeah I'd come to terms with that that and moved on but I really wanted to become I think it switched something on in me being pregnant Um, I really wanted to become a mother I'd always taken for granted that I would be be Mm. a mother um and that sense of certainty about it had had grown into a kind of sense of longing in my 30s and then it had become more acute after that miscarriage um so I decided to get my fertility tested and I expected it to be high because I'd been able to kind of you know, accidentally become pregnant before. So mm. I, I thought if I'm able to get pregnant that easily, um, it's likely to be sky high. And I was actually told it was really, really low. Really? I think my AMH level was two point something. I mean, it was super low. Yeah. Um, so my ovarian reserve was, was, was really down. And I was told that if I, if, having children was a really important thing to me to think about what I wanted to do because if I didn't do something swiftly it 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 could mean that I wouldn't be able to have children Mm. and so I found my kind of world turned upside down a little bit because I'd always presumed partner then children Mm -hmm. but I thought about it and it just seemed to me so heartbreaking not to even try to have children 
And I told myself that I could get my head around the idea of trying to have children and not managing to. But the idea of not even trying just felt felt really hard to come to terms with. And so I thought it's okay not to follow a conventional route and that for me there's no time limit on meeting a partner but there really is for me a time limit on having children and so yeah I decided to set about that um and I was really aware that it might not happen even in one of the first appointments they said to me if IUI doesn't work that artificial insemination doesn't work they'd try IVF and if IVF didn't work was I aware of there was a double donor route um because I was single so I was I was using a donor so it was um it was very you know they they were kind of quite clear that there's there's hope for me if if it doesn't happen immediately Mm. um but uh yeah it it was clear that just with my levels being so low that I I had to act you know it might have been 3.6 I can't remember but it was that Mm. kind of when I looked at it it was lower than the low fertility line yeah um so yeah so for me so then it became kind of quite clear and quite simple because it was it was so heartbreaking the idea of not trying that I then became quite focused on trying to to become pregnant if I could I guess it it took the choice away well I think I think that's it I think I expected the results of that fertility test to be so high that I would then kind of be reassured and would hopefully meet a partner sometime down the line and then have children with them Mm. yeah um and those results were so different that it made me really think about what was important in my life and what I kept imagining myself as an old person um, and looking back on my life. And I thought that trying not to, ha- not trying to have children could be really the only regret that I was likely to have in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I felt like I would be... I would be okay if if it just wasn't meant to, you know if I if there was no way of having children or if there if it was going to be proved to be exceptionally hard then I could kind of make peace with that it was the idea of not even knowing that that felt like it would always feel like something that I why didn't I explore it and yeah. there's been quite a few women since who have said to me um Oh, women maybe 10 years older than me have said they wish they'd had the bravery to do it um which I think is a, a really honest thing to, to that's yeah absolutely yeah. so you did an IUI yes so I I've I've now got two children uh-huh. um and with my first I was exceptionally lucky I had two rounds of IUI um I remember the first one I mean compared to IVF it's so non-intrusive and you know they were just monitoring my cycle and waiting till I got to the point of ovulation it was it was non-medicalized IUI as well so the only thing I was going to take was the trigger injection Mm, yeah and I remember them giving me this trigger injection to take and and me being like what 
I, you know, I, do I really need to take this? And thinking that that was such a big deal. <laughs> and, you know, two years later, <laughs> trying to get pregnant with my son and I'm injecting stuff all the time. Um, and he, he was, I couldn't, I couldn't get pregnant with IUI the second time round. I tried five times mm-hmm. um, and I tried it non-medicalized and medicalized. I, I, I guess, you know, I was two years older. I was... Mm-hmm. 39 when I was trying to get pregnant with him um and so I did have IVF in order to conceive him and I was so lucky I managed to conceive him on the first round of IVF how was it going through um because obviously IUI and IVF are quite different but what was it like going through what was the difference between those two experiences for you as you know on your own basically um I think IUI is you're you're still I mean whatever you have you're so invested in it because all of a sudden you're watching your cycle so closely and you it's it's not like I suppose if you have a partner and you're just trying to get pregnant naturally I imagine you're just having sex a lot at the right time you know a lot of friends have peed on ovulation sticks to make sure they hit that right time Mm. and instead you've got a doctor checking when when you're getting there um it feels I I felt I felt good doing it on my own I felt like it was giving me hope and I was following um something that was so important to me to try so it didn't really it didn't really concern me doing it on my own I remember with that trigger injection um, going to the pharmacy and saying, I, I don't really know what to do with this. And they very <laughs> kindly, um, she said, I, I'm not supposed to do this for you, but come on, let's work it out. And took me round behind the curtain and oh, did it for so me. Oh, that's so kind. I know, it's so kind. Because, you know, if you've never injected anything before, and I think that's the thing with fertility clinics, they're so used to kind of giving out injections to people. I think they forget... Yeah what a big deal it is the first time you're given one and that actually this isn't an everyday thing and I've never stuck anything in my stomach deliberately before so and I was yeah. worried about air bubbles or was it the right place and what would the effect mm. be and all those sorts of things um but yeah that I found I found IUI really quite a nice process I loved it I was at the Lister clinic um I wouldn't have qualified for NHS unless I yeah. could have told them that I'd done many rounds of IUI that hadn't worked mm. um because of being on my own I couldn't show that I'd been trying to get pregnant for a long time without doing IUI um so it's it's not it's not supported in the same way by the NHS mm-hmm. but they it was lovely if I saw the same same nurse again and I felt like I was starting to build up relationships with them yeah so I yeah there it was it wasn't as hard as all that doing it on my own really good what what about the people around you did you did you feel supported by your family and your friends you know what I felt like I had such an army of support I, I felt so so lucky um it's amazing how wonderful people are when you tell them that you're doing something that's maybe a little bit unconventional but it's really following your heart um and I feel so yeah so fortunate to have people around who just offered me as much support and that came in every form emotional support um 
people helping to move me the other you know I, I moved out of London recently um, mm-hmm. and people helping to do that because they knew I wouldn't be able to with a small child um, a couple of friends emptied their lofts because they've got older children and they wanted to show their support and they knew they couldn't be around too much so they passed on so much baby stuff Astrid has had the most fantastic wardrobe we've got a friend who's still you know I saw her the other week and she came down with a laundry bag of stuff of clothes for Astrid um we're so lucky people show their support in so many ways and I feel like I can talk to my family and my friends about things when they worry me or when I'm not sure or or when I want a bit of advice and that's so invaluable so yeah, it was amazing how how much support there was out there. I think people had always known how much I wanted to be a mum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they were I think perhaps if I'd said I was going to do that in my twenties, it would have had a very different reaction. I'm not sure my mm. boyfriend at the time would have been very impressed either. <laughs> but um but um but you know, I I I think people knew that it was a really important thing to me. Um, my mum did say to me, did I realise that she would love me just as much even if I didn't yeah. have children? That and bit that, made tears come to my eyes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that felt like a really special thing to say. My mum mm-hmm. was so family orientated. She had children in her 20s. Um, and I think her children are very much the centre of her life. And I think growing up in that, it's very hard to almost perhaps see outside of that um and so I think that's part of why I've taken it so for granted that I would have children and that that's just such you know that's a given um and her saying that did it it did make me cry at the time because it just felt Mm. so um it's something I think my mum wanted to make sure that I wasn't putting this pressure on myself because of the influence of society because it's such a kind of expected thing for women to do in their 30s yeah Mm -hmm. um and there is a huge amount of of pressure from society and I think if you're single you don't feel that in quite the same way the pressure tends to be get a partner and then have children yeah but at the same time um yeah I I I I felt I'm sure I did feel some sort of self-inflicted pressure to do it but at the same but yeah, she just wanted to make sure it was really what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. I think I'm very lucky because I've got two nephews as well. So I'd spent a lot of time with them when they were young um, and seen the the good, the bad and the ugly of, of having children. <laughs> and that, yeah. you know, it's not all um, kisses and fun and skipping along roads that there's mm. don't say that know. Genevieve <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's what it is I'm 33 weeks <laughs> I mean 99% of it is kisses and skipping along the road great just Thank that you. tiny sliver where maybe in the middle of the night just like a tiny bit more sleep um but yeah I was going into it with my eyes wide open and I think that's the same with every anyone who goes through any fertility treatment or even mm-hmm. probably considers fertility treatment. It's yeah. something that's really well thought out. And certainly for my book, I was um, I spoke to um, a sociologist about it and she said that all children 
conceived from fertility treatment tend to have that same thing in common that they're very wanted and they're very loved and so they they have very good parents because yeah this is something that you've you've put your heart into um so yeah I think I think once my mum realized how much it meant to me I she was then very very supportive I think she just wanted to check and and make sure I knew that I I wasn't a failure in some way yeah yeah um one of the things I found quite interesting that you talk about in the book is the kind of um you were kind of concerned about not being able to provide a father figure for your kids yeah and how how did you kind of you know I guess reconcile yourself with that and and are there kind of steps that you've taken to ensure that that's not the case well I yeah I mean my children have godparents um Uh and I think that's really important I think it's really important that they have not only kind of male role models but also um adults who they can turn to who aren't me so when they're teenagers and they think I'm being unreasonable there's another adult who they can talk to about how needlessly strict I'm being or or whatever (laughs) it is they think I'm doing that's that's you know that 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 makes them unhappy um I'm lucky that my brother's um I'm close to my brother um and so I think he's he's a you know a strong male figure but also I think I think that thing of kind of creating your family is a really lovely one and picking those people who who will be in my children's life for for their for forever, which is just absolutely wonderful. Um so yeah, I thought very carefully and um, and there's some really important people. I'm also really lucky that um a lot of my friends do have do have partners and I've got to know them uh female friends have you know have have partners so um so there's lots there's lots of men around and I think that's I think that's so important mm. um for, but for is it I mean children. why is it important like is it that important I think so I think it's really good for them to see yeah I do I mean I don't think that there's anything that women can't do don't get me yeah. wrong someone challenged me once and went but who's going to play football with your children like, oh, God. I, I bloody have, am yeah it was like I think I can have a kick around also like, like I can't remember ever playing football as a kid <laughs> um but yeah so I have been challenged on that and it's it's not in that way I just think it's I think just for the richness of life I think it's really mm-hmm. good to to know women and to know men. I yeah, think also yeah. so that you don't grow up with a kind of um, an odd perspective and feel feel like you're just surrounded. You know that that men are somehow either if you're not feeling kind of familiar with them almost and comfortable. Mm. I think if you if you if you were never surrounded by men, I wonder whether you would feel as naturally comfortable with them as you do with mm. women. I think you yeah. just it they'd feel you know, just these slightly hairier creatures might feel strange <laughs> to you. <laughs> so um, they are so, hairy. Yeah. So I, I think it I do think it's really important. Not not because women can't do anything or there's anything inherently, you know, different but I I just think it's I think it's really good to have that balance um and yeah I feel I feel lucky that my children do I also feel with my son it's he might there might be questions that he'd rather ask a man than than me about puberty or about about women you know I I don't Mm. know and I I think it's good that he has those channels open to him Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um I guess this this is probably kind of 
you know, in a similar vein and talking about kind of friends and family, the support you get. But I'm, I'm curious to know what the practicalities of, of birth are when you're kind of doing it on your own. Did you have a birth partner? I I did. My sister-in-law was with me both times. Um, so I was What's really her name? Lucky. Jess. Good old um, Jess. Yeah. So she she was absolutely wonderful. She's far more uh, far less scared of hospitals than I am, and far <laughs> more confident about the whole thing, um, mm-hmm. and kind of no nonsense about about things like that. Whereas I yeah. get into my head and and find it actually quite terrifying. So it was really wonderful to have her around. She. Um, I I had hoped very much for a bit of a water birth the first time. I'd done some hypnobirthing. She'd even come with me to a birthing, a kind of active birthing session where we both, I've known her since I was at school. She she met my brother when, when we were all at school. So Aww. we did kind of revert to being teenagers and just giggling away. The minute they said, hold your partner's bump. And there were all these kind of <laughs> loving couples there who were kind of stroking bumps. And we were sitting oh my there. God. I mean, we, we're good friends, but I, she hadn't stroked my bump at any point. <laughs> you know, We don't have that kind of friendship. Um, so yeah, the whole thing was, was really funny. Um, but it ended up in a C-section and she was okay. great for that. She'd, her, um, her one of yeah both of her children ended up as c-section deliveries as well so she was really kind of oh this She's is fine you know as I suddenly was like oh this is major surgery so it was <laughs> yeah. it was really good to have her around I think I probably squeezed her hand very tightly um mm-hmm. to the point that <laughs> I don't know whether she's even regained feeling now but you know that's <laughs> that's what she was there for she cut the cord both times with Aww. my daughter she didn't there was no noise immediately you listen for the crying don't you and that that wasn't there immediately mm. and they rushed her off to the corner and Jess I kept saying to Jess where where is she because I wanted my skin to skin and mm-hmm. um and she she kept telling me it was absolutely fine I could see lots of pediatricians and people rushing into the room but within I it felt like a lifetime it was probably about two minutes that they actually brought her over and she mm. she just had um she just needed oxygen wafted under her she didn't need resuscitating okay. um whereas my son cried immediately as he was coming out which was wonderful um he also had a few problems uh with breathing I think the whole thing of not going through the through a vaginal delivery um makes it a bit harder for the babies at the start but he he was they just watched him for a little while so they kept giving him to me for skin to skin and then just checking his oxygen levels and then bringing him back to me um which was absolutely fine Hey, we haven't um we haven't talked about sperm donors at all. How did you choose yours, and did you use the same one for both your kids? I did. So genetically, they're full brother and sister, which actually was really important to me. I think I'm, you know, they they they'll be brought up. I already talked to Astrid about how. A man did something very kind um, <laughs> to give to give some an, an ingredient that that means that I could become a mummy and how wanted she was. Um, I when they're eighteen, they have the chance to to um, get in touch, and I think it's really great that they're going to have the same response from someone. Yeah. Um, I think it could be really tricky. Obviously, no 
donors are anonymous these days. But I think uh-huh. it would be really tricky if, for example, um, one donor was um, wanted a, you know, not that they're going to want a dad relationship with someone because I don't think they will but if one person was kind of quite present and wanted to meet up for a coffee and the other one just sent a postcard you know it would yeah I wouldn't want one of them to feel shortchanged so yeah that would be difficult yeah so I think it's great that they have the same thing and that they can talk to each other about it because I'm sure Mm -hmm. that there'll be lots of emotions surrounding that and I'm I obviously want to support them in everything but sometimes yeah. you just want to talk to someone who who is having the same experience as you, and I think that's great. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I chose. I would. Uh, the clinic suggested to me a sperm bank, and I went with that. Um, it was. It's a U.S. sperm bank, um, and so you get a lot of details about about the donor. I was under the impression at the time that it was 10 families worldwide um, because of the HFEA ruling, but I find out now that actually it's 10 families in the UK. Um, And that's something that I 10 families what? As in a donor can donate to 10 families. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. The UK puts a very sensible limit on it. So you don't have loads of kids that look the same wandering around. Or inbreeding. Exactly, exactly. I think that's the reason why. Well, I think, and also a genetic thing, just if they happen to, if there's something that you don't know about that's recessive in you, with with a lot of children. So there are limits, but the limits aren't the same in the US. And I didn't know that. And I kind of feel like the world is a very small place. And so it, yeah, there's billions of of us, but still, you... I would feel more comfortable if it were 10 worldwide. Mm. I hope my children will think it's a very exciting thing that they have more... Um, <laughs> Scrutinise everyone. Yeah. There's no... They. I feel like the language when you have donor families hasn't quite caught up because yeah. uh-huh. okay. I'm not sure whether half-sibling is actually the correct ter- term. I mean, genetically, it absolutely is. Yeah. But yeah. in the counselling, you're told very much to refer to a donor rather than a dad because you don't want to set up any idea of of a mm. role that's played yeah and I think it's the same really with a half sibling they may they may you know become friends but mm-hmm. that you can't take that for granted at all um it makes me actually really ple- pre- pleased that Astrid and Zavi have full full um you know that they're full siblings growing up Absolutely. together um and yeah and by full sibling I mean growing up not the genetic link but that kind of arguing together and (laughs) you know who's got the bigger portion of ice cream and all that stuff that kind of goes on for years and years and is what makes a brother and a sister that makes that relationship so unique um and I think it's quite good because then you don't I know lots of only children who have built up a kind of fantasy of what having a brother or a sister would be like Mm-hmm. Um, and it's magical having a brother or sister, but it's it's not necessarily exactly how an only child I think perceives it because there's a lot more, a lot more yeah. fighting along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot more like, oh, mom. Yes. Um. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's what I think. Once you can say that to someone, you can also, yeah, you respect them so much, and it's 
they're relationships that weather every storm and I think that's um that's something really special I love the fact that um when you were looking for a donor that one guy who had written a letter to his future kids had sold out yes such a lovely it was such a lovely letter that I imagine that every um woman and every family looking at that um every couple were like ah oh, this is a good one let's and it, it, you know it's just like a few pearls of life advice in there but Aww. written in a very non-judgmental way but yeah. just about how he'd failed at something and then he tried again it was really lovely um so yeah i i think uh, if you if you've got a winning letter you you probably uh, uh, your sperm's probably even more in demand well, if there's any sperm donors listening, we yeah. can just give them some good advice. Genevieve, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, thank you again so much for coming on and telling your story. Um, I guess our last question would be, can you kind of give give some advice for women who find themselves in the same position as you? I think no one should go into having children um, lightly. You know, it's going to change your entire world. But I think it's really important that women in their 30s who are single feel like they have choices. Um, Uh And I think that's the horrible thing sometimes. If you're Mm. so aware um, of the idea that your fertility probably is um, going down, to feel a little backed into a corner and and that you don't have much choice and that you should start panic dating because you really want children and... That there are other options, and I think just by knowing that there are other options, you then make more sensible decisions, and um, and in in a way, are probably more likely to meet someone if that's what if that's what you're hoping for. Um, also, it's the most wonderful thing that that I've ever done, and that's that's what surprised me is that every day it gives me so much delight, and I feel so so lucky, and so. It's not the way that I would, you know, teenage me would have set out to have a family, but I wouldn't change it for the world now. I absolutely wouldn't. And yeah, I just think it's a, it's, yeah, it's the most wonderful thing I've ever done. And I I do feel grateful for it every day. So I guess in that way, definitely important to talk to all the people around you and check that they're that that you're going to have some support um even if you don't I guess you then you then cross that bridge but I think yeah just so so good and so so um wonderful to be able to to follow our dreams and I think that's what I think is a really amazing thing about living in this time where people do support other people and that sometimes things might not look conventional or how you expect it on the outside but that as long as you're in a position to provide your children with love and security they're they're likely to thrive and that they're the most important things in the world oh well lovely note to end on that is a lovely note would you like to do a very quick plug for your book Oh, yes, please. Um, it's called Going Solo, My Choice to Become a Single Mum Using a Single Mother Using a Sperm Donor. It's published by Piatkus. Um, you can buy it on Amazon or at Waterstones or all good bookshops. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. 
And thank you to both your children for being remarkably silent. Yeah, it's been amazing. <laughs> I, I could hear Astrid in the background at one point. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, well I'm done, Astrid and Zabby. Fully silent. And, um, and Zabby's been busy feeding, which, yeah, that's that's his main focus. So <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you to you both so, of them. Thank, thank you, you so you. much for having me. That's oh. our pleasure. Cheers. Lovely to speak to you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 1 size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. IVF. What the F? What the F? It's a serious topic this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we are talking about abnormal shaped uteruses. Yes, we are. We've had a few people, like a few of our guests on the podcast have yeah. mentioned that they're, they're I, I keep in my head calling them funny shaped uteruses, but there's nothing funny about this. No. Um, so we had, way back in the day, we had Hannah Vaughan Jones who talked about her. Was it heart shaped? Heart shaped, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've had a couple of other people. We had um, Julia. Julia last week, who had a unicorn. Yes, I think so. I think. And then there's also the septuate uterus. Mm. We've. I mean, I hear these terms being thrown around all the time, and I have no idea what they mean. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's not just IVF, is it? It's it's fertility in general, yeah. and whether or not having a, a kind of differently shaped uterus is going to impact that or mm-hmm. not and um yeah it's quite interesting it is interesting so um this is actually a really nice detailed answer from professor tim oh, good old he, professor tim he really goes into his into the subject um he doesn't mention the unicorn uterus which is kind of um i mean the best thing is to ask dr google but it's kind of like a lopsided one okay that doesn't quite have two fallopian tubes so it's only really developed on one side mm. um but he talks about all the other kinds. Yes. And um, it's very calming. Good. For those who might have been diagnosed with that. So have a listen. Yeah. So when a woman has an abnormal shape uterus, that is often called a uterine anomaly. And there are many, many different types of shape 
of a uterus and most people will be familiar with what a normal outline and a normal cavity of uterus will be probably from your biology GCSE days. The question is if you have an abnormal shaped uterus does that um, affect implantation? So there are different grades of abnormality. Um, a uterus which is just slightly abnormal sometimes is called an arcuate uterus and it's sort of heart-shaped on outline. That's pretty common, maybe 10 to 15 percent of women have an arcuate uterus. That does not interfere with implantation. Getting a bit more abnormal than that, the next stage is something called a septate uterus, which is where there's a um, piece of um, fibrous tissue or a septum which goes down the middle of the uterus and that can be just uh, in the top centimeter coming down the middle of the uterus or it can even reach all the way down to the cervix and even um, push the cervix in, into two. If people have a septate or you know, a septum in their uterus, it is thought that that may interfere with implantation, possibly because the, the lining of the womb over the septum hasn't got a good blood supply and so embryos may find it difficult to implant there and to develop. So generally people feel that if there is a septum, that probably should be removed in women who have a history of fertility problems, although I have to say the evidence is not 100% clear on that. It is generally fairly easy to remove a septum like that. It's done as a day case operation with a telescope or hysteroscope that goes up through the cervix um, under general anaesthetic. And then um, scissors or an electrical cutting device are used to divide the septum from below all the way up to the top of the inside of the uterine cavity. And with that, you can have a, a, a normal shaped uterus inside. The next stage of abnormality would be a bicornuate uterus, which sometimes people call a double uterus. And for a bicornuate uterus, uh, because the, the lining of the womb over all the surfaces inside the cavity are, um, is actually sort of good blood supply, it's fairly normal, then it is not linked to problems with conceiving. If women do have a bicornuate uterus though, because the um, size of the uterine cavity or cavities, as there might be two of them, is smaller, then that can be a problem if you're carrying a twin pregnancy. And also even with a singleton pregnancy, it is more likely that the baby might be in an abnormal position, such as a breech or, or bottom first position. From a fertility point of view though, um, there's no reason to have surgery for a, bi for a bicornuate uterus. It used to be done, surgery used to be done decades um, ago, um, but it's not necessary. And in fact, probably more harm is done than good. So for most people, uh, arcuate, no problem, bicornuate, no problem, um, and if it's a septate uterus, then that would be a discussion with a fertility specialist about the possibility of having surgery for that. Thanks, Professor Tim. Emma, how are you? I'm fucking great. Oh, look at that. Um, it's my first day of maternity leave today. Wowzers. It is... A very strange feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started trying for a baby in October 2015. Yeah. So that makes it almost four years that I've been thinking about what I'm going to do on maternity leave. Oh, God. Obviously, learn a new language, learn an instrument, write, write my novel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a baby will come at some point during I mean, this, something but, like that. Yeah. Um, no, in all seriousness, like, it's a very weird feeling. It's like, just very surreal. Yeah, I bet. I haven't really, it hasn't sunk in at all. I mean, we're sitting here, it's Monday morning. Mm -hmm. This podcast goes out tomorrow, so we're kind of up to date. 
Um, we're drinking coffee and eating pastry. It's, it's delightful. It's very civilised. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I slept. I had such a line this morning. I slept until 6am. Oh, my Lord. I know. What a treat. Mental. We turned our lights out last night at 11 o'clock. Oh, my God, Emma. I How know. did you manage? Last night, I was like, John, I'm not going to tell you when we should go to bed. Oh, my God. John was like, oh. John was like, freedom. <laughs> Although he had to get up at half past five, which is my oh. normal waking up time. So, so you did a swapsie. We did a swapsie, but he's not as much of a kind of bedtime lights fascist as I am. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, just, just trying to feel chilled. Like, I know I can do it, but yeah. it's just... What, be chilled? Yeah, I've had, I, like, I remember being able to do that. Well, look, you know, you've got a, a job that makes you get up early and you have to concentrate lots. It's quite stressful at times. Yeah. You know, you've been in that um, cycle for a long time. Yeah. yeah Work so. cycle. Work cycle. Well, it's, yeah. How long have you been working for? I got my first job literally the August after I finished university. So I finished in June did work experience for a month and a half mm-hmm. and then got a job. I mean, it's, and it's quite an intense job. It is quite an intense job. So it's going to take you a while to probably... Wind down. Wind down. Find a new routine. I'm thinking like two or three days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry, mate. I've got one rule and that rule is if I want to eat something sweet, I have to leave the house for it. So oh. I can't just like go and buy a massive bar of chocolate and keep it in the house. Oh, I see. That's my rule. Because okay, that will make good. me leave the house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exercise. Chance, I'll just sit. And watch TV. I need chocolate in your pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not even in pants. Oh, wow. It's comfiest that way. Freedom. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this weekend I went down to see my friend Sophie, my best friend. Sophie, yeah. who we've met before. Yeah, who appeared in episode four, right at the very, very beginning when we first started this podcast. Mm. Probably we recorded it about a year ago. Um, she has twins now. Yes. who are about seven months old, and she's got a three-year-old. Yes. Um, and their house is full of noise. <laughs> just, but it was really fun to see her, because I just don't get to see her enough. Yeah. Um, She gave me all the baby stuff. She basically gave me a baby starter kit. Oh, wow. Um, So just everything from, like, a side cot to a Moses basket to, like, nuff clothes. Basically... This baby is never going to wear the same thing twice. Wow. It's got, it's now got about 50 baby grows. Amazing. Yes. You'll go through this. You'll fly through them. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking three or four a day. Yeah. Um, But it was really nice to see her. Like, I I really don't see her very often these yeah. days. Oh, although we do talk a lot and she sends me presents every four weeks. Of course she does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But it just kind of reinforced in me that I feel very guilty that I haven't been able to be there for her during the whole twins thing. Like, Mm. when she found out she was pregnant with twins, they were naturally conceived. And obviously, like, we're sitting there thinking, you bitch, you're so fucking fertile that you actually Mm. ovulated twice in one month. Yeah. And those eggs became humans. But in reality, it must have been incredibly daunting for her. And she never once complained. She never said anything. Mm. And I just feel so bad that I couldn't be there to support her at the time. 
Mm. That I just couldn't... And it's funny because we've been reading... Like, I've been reading a book um, the last couple of days by somebody that we're off to interview Yes. after this. Not going to give it away. No. Um, And she talks a lot in her book about how infertility... And, I, you know, I've been struggling to think of a word for this. She talks about how infertility is quite self-absorbing. Yeah. Like, you just end up thinking about yourself a lot. And it's it's not because you're a selfish person. It's just because the nature of the disease means that you are constantly analysing yourself. You're thinking about your own body. You're thinking about, am I relaxing enough? Mm. You know, mm. you're thinking about your behaviour. You, you, you do obsess about yourself. Yeah. And um, I just... I don't think you know a few of my friends had kids during this time and being a mum is hard like we know being a mum is hard not as hard as infidelity but um it I just you know I haven't been able to be there for them during these difficult times these difficult transitions Mm. shall we say but I think that's I think that's okay mate like you were going through something huge they were going Mm. through something huge you were going through something huge yeah I think it's fine you know, there were times when they weren't able to be there for you. Yeah, I guess. But I think, like, Soph in particular has been just incredible all the way yeah. through my infertility. And um, and the other night she was like... <laughs> she'd had a couple of drinks. She was like, I want to feel this baby move. And I was like, I don't know how to make it move. It doesn't do it on command. Um, and she was like... She basically put her hands on my bump and just started, like making noises at it and she started up very high and then went very low and the baby started kicking and then she just started squealing at it <laughs> it was really funny and um and I felt quite emotional yeah I bet I'm guilty that I don't talk to her enough and she felt quite emotional and I was just like I wish I'd been able to be like that about the twins like I got excited about the twins mm. but, but you like it's understandable that you couldn't mm-hmm. like you know, there's a degree to which I couldn't really get that excited about your pregnancy when it first happened. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's just, it's kind of self-preservation. Yeah. And it's necessary. Yeah. So I don't think you should feel bad. I think, you know, I think understanding both sides is important. Yeah. And for them to understand why you're behaving the way you're behaving, for you to kind of have some sort of empathy for perhaps that they're having a bad time as well yeah and there were times that I was better at that and there were times that I was much worse at that yeah 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 I mean absolutely but it's nice being able to get excited about my friend's pregnancies oh absolutely I can imagine it's such a nice relief yeah and I'm glad that I am able to empathise fully with them now Mm -hmm. but yeah that's my deep thought for the week oh Mm. lovely very Mm. profound yeah you alright? yeah I'm good yeah I'm really good actually Cool. Yeah. Um, I had a really lovely weekend um, that started on Friday. Cause I, well, it didn't start on Friday. I was working from home. But I had a little bit of work to do yeah. in the morning. And then it was free. Because that's what freelance is. <laughs> and it's delicious. You've asked um, <laughs> Not that I can get well, in I'm in an anymore. Office, I'm in an office three days a week. So yeah. it's only the two days that I get to be that dickhead in the coffee shop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I so I... I psyched myself up for going for a run Mm -hmm. and um 
I it's one of those things that I've I've really wanted to go for a run pretty much all the way through this treatment mm-hmm. but uh, but always just talked myself out of it like don't do it it's not going to be good you'll get your ovaries in a twist you'll, too jiggly yeah yeah you'll the, the embryo won't implant you you know there's always a reason like maybe I shouldn't do it so I haven't yeah um and and yeah so I've been doing loads of reading and you know everyone says running is fine and when I say everyone, I mean like the blogs, all the blogs, and like lots of people I know have told me stories of people that have run yeah. all the way through. I see really heavily pregnant women running much faster than me in Hyde Park. I mean, yeah, it's 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 doable. People do marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I'm that woman. Not doing a marathon. No, don't do that. Um, but yeah, but then I told my mum, and my mum was like, <sighs> I told my boss, and my boss was like. <sighs> And I was you like, told oh. me, and I was like, "Don't jiggle it." Yeah, you were like, "Don't jiggle it round." I was like, "So then," <laughs> but then I was like, "Okay, look, I'm, I, I actually need to do this for myself." I think. So I went off, and um, I was running in quite a weird way because I was trying not to jiggle it. <laughs> so I was like trying to be a smooth, no, you know, no kind of up and down movement, just forward. Yeah, like a dressage looked, pony. Yeah, I looked yeah. weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good. I did. Like I ran until until I got a bit out of breath. Then I was like, I walk until I catch my breath back. Then I would run again, walk again, run again, walk again, all around the park. And yeah, it just felt really, really nice. And I am going to do it. Mate, you should. Every week I'm going to try. I I realised I was trying to discourage you because I just um, feel bad that I haven't done any exercise during this. I was trying to like make you join my shit club. (laughs) But you, to be fair, like you no offence, weren't a huge exerciser before. No. The only reason I ever started doing exercise was because I was infertile and it, apparently it's good for hormones. Yeah. Yeah. So, whereas I was a bit of a runner before. Yeah, you've so always I been a runner. wanted to just, you know, not, I don't, it's not like I'm like, I need to feel myself. I just, it, I know that it's good for my mental health to yeah. go for a run. So I was like, I think this is important that I at least try. And I did. And it was good. I'm so glad. Thank you, mate. And then um, on Saturday, it was my birthday. It was. It's my birthday. Um, and yeah, I had lots of nice things planned. First of which was pregnancy yoga, which was quite an interesting experience. <laughs> um, I kind of knew this was going to happen, but I'd hoped that maybe it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, I arrived in this kind of circle of pregnant ladies. And Giant bumps. They all had huge bumps, yeah. Ah, great. Um, apart from one girl that was sitting next to me, thankfully, who was a week ahead of me. Oh, cool. And um, I just felt like, I felt like everyone was staring at me like, what are you doing here? Imposter. Yeah. Where's your bump? Like, you don't deserve to be in this class. Obviously, oh. no one actually said anything remotely like that. Of course. Um, and we, the, basically, they started by going around the circle and everyone had to say how many weeks they were and, like, share something about their pregnancy. And... Um, it was quite funny, like, there was one woman, I'm 17 weeks, there was one woman that was 18 sitting next to me, and there was another woman that was 18 weeks, and she had a huge bump, like, oh my she God. was enormous. Did she have twins? No, but it's her second baby. Ah. And I was like, fucking hell, how can we be at the same point? Yeah. Like, she was, like, I'm, like, she looked like she could have been, if I took a guess, I'd have said seven months. Really? Yeah. It's those rock hard abs of yours. It's not. It's, there's no such thing. But it's also the fact that you're tall. I, I am tall. It's true. Um, but yeah, I just... It, like, as I sat down, I was like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. What have I done? 
But then, um, like, they came, they got round to, well, they got round to this other woman, and she, uh, it was quite funny when you realise you're in pregnant land. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, um, you know, I'm X weeks, uh, I've had quite a lot of pain, like, um, you know, what's it called? Um Round ligament, round ligament pain. pain and my back's been really sore and then she was like but mostly when I've been wearing high heels <laughs> and the yoga teacher was like maybe that's your body saying that it's time to put the heels away <laughs> um, and this woman was like uh, I don't want to be fat and short <laughs> and I was just like oh my god Oh god! Oh my god! The trials and tribulations. I know. Oh, you poor thing. Where's all my friends that are just fucking grateful for this to happen to them? Like, oh god, you just don't know yourself. So that she's my like enemy in the class now, obviously. Um, and then uh, came around to me, and I was like, "Am I going to say it?" And I was like, "Fuck it, I am." And I was like, "Oh, you know, haven't done much exercise because." I had quite a lot of bleeding at the beginning and it's an IVF pregnancy. So I've been anxious and, you know, I've just decided it's maybe it's time to start moving a bit more and I'm kind of feeling more confident. And I just kind of said it because I was like, there may be someone else in the room that's IVF Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to say it. And Mm -hmm. at least I'll put myself out there and maybe they'll, maybe that'll be good for them. I don't know. Um, And yeah, it was kind of, I don't know, I felt quite good after it, after I just said it. I was like, there you go, there you all shut up, leave me alone. Yeah, that's what we did, that's what I did during um, NCT. Yeah, I I remember. Hi, I'm Emma, this is IBF. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm special. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it was, you know, the yoga itself was nice. It was very easy. Cool. For me at this point, I guess. You know, it'll get harder when you get a bump. But um, Mm -hmm. but it was good, it was just nice to be, again, just nice to be moving. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a yes, I had a really nice day. I went for a pedicure, oh, chill. which was lush. Yeah, went for dinner with my friends. Oh. Had a small glass of wine. Oh, yeah. So it was just a really lovely day, actually. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, feeling quite good. What colour are your toes? They are like a neon coral. Oh, that is re- that's almost the colour that you bought me, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's obviously mm-hmm. the colour I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, um, so I'm in a great mood, actually, yeah. Great. Yeah, can't complain. Cool. I'm 35, though. Mate. Fuck. That makes you a, like an old pregnancy, right? It does, but I looked it up and um, you have to be, it's when you get pregnant after 35. Oh, okay, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was like, I looked it up on Saturday, I was like, does this make me geriatric? <laughs> uh, but strictly speaking, no, it doesn't. That's like when my sister bought herself a 16 to 25 rail card on her 25th birthday, but it was like a five-year one. <laughs> she had it until she Wishful was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I I used to have a thing about the geriatric pregnancy, obviously, because like nobody, I don't think anyone sets out wanting to have that terminology because it's so offensive. Yeah. Um, and but like as time went on, I was kind of like, I, and it was becoming more and more likely that that would be the case. I was just like, doesn't fucking matter. It really like, doesn't. It doesn't matter. Mm-mm. Like. So many women, like even women I know, just get pregnant actually yeah. over 35. My so, mum had a baby over 35. Exactly. My stepmom had babies over 35. It's fucking matter. Yeah, it's cool. And it's more common these days. So I just think they, they need to just change that term, man. Yeah, they really do. Like, it's just so offensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, Indiana Jones, like I've snuck in under yeah. the door. Yeah, just yeah. As it's closing. <laughs> Grabbed your hat. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's 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 that really. Cool. Yeah. And we're done. 
that's it guys that is it for our third our trinultimate thumultimate that's not the word <laughs> I think we made up two good words just there <laughs> um, podcast next week we are going to be talking to our friend Ali yes um, and she's going to be talking about secondary infertility but also TFMR termination for medical reasons yes um, she's had a really hard time she has and she has shared it with us and she is good fun and a great person so. and yeah and she is good fun and a great person yeah. and she was present she did we should say every time someone brings us presents just to encourage more presents yeah, yeah, yeah we do um yeah but we had a really nice well nice chat a uh, challenging yet satisfying chat yes um yeah. so we'll see you for that next week yeah enjoy and have a good week and yeah see you then bye, bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.